This is a teaching by Pastor Jason. Join us as we go back to the basics. Good evening, Reality Church, and a happy Thanksgiving to you all. I pray that you are all getting ready to enjoy an awesome Thanksgiving with your families. Um, to be able to get in close proximity to those you love, give them a hug, and and talk about what you're thankful for about this year. Um, as we go into this uh, B2B, I want us to first um, begin with a call to worship, because this is about worship of our God. Be, but I, through the abundance of your steadfast love, will enter your house. I will bow down toward your holy temple in the fear of you. Lead me, O Lord, in your righteousness because of my enemies. Make your way straight before me. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you so much for your awesome power and love towards us, God. We thank you for this season when we set aside time to be thankful, God. We know that the thing that we have to be thankful for most is you and what you have done to redeem us, God. We thank you so much. Jesus, we thank you for dying on the cross to save us from our sins, to set us free from a burden that we could not bear to take the take our place and to take our sins upon yourself and bear the full wrath of God to save us. We thank you so much for that. We could never thank you enough. Holy Spirit, we thank you that you live in us and you sanctify us and you live through us and you show us things through the word that 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 teach us how to live a better life and there's no hope for a better life without you living in us. So we thank you so much for being that for us. God, we thank you for your word. That we can see who you are clearly through it. That we can trust what it says because it is in inerrant and infallible and inspired. We thank you so much. God, we ask that you would help each person who is listening. God, I ask that you would help them to be at peace and calm, even though this year has been tough, God, and God, it seems as if people are trying to make it tougher, God, that agendas and different things are trying to make all, everybody not be even focused on the great Thanksgiving that we have coming up, God, a time to give thanks to you for your many blessings, God, that even the joy of that was, is, is being taken away from many, God, God, calm our hearts, Help us to understand the power of who you are. Give us peace in this time of turmoil, for we know that we can trust you and you alone. God, we just ask for, you, for your strength in this time, that we may, with courage, boldly stand up for the word of God and what it says, regardless of what anybody tells us. God, I ask that you would bless those who are sick, God. Be merciful to them, and in your will, heal them. God, but nevertheless, your will be done, and we will honor and praise you no matter what the situation. God, we thank you that during times of turmoil is when we grow closer to you and we begin to trust you even more, and we lean on you because we know that you have everything well in hand and under control. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So as we continue this teaching, on the Apostles' Creed, we come to an extremely important line. The line that says, the forgiveness of sins. 
Now, I want to read to you the entire Apostles' Creed, but I wanted to give you that piece of it first. Because what you need to understand about that piece is this is the first time that you have anything to do with the Apostles' Creed. Um, the church may be close, but this is very personal. So I want to read the Apostles' Creed to you, and I want you to catch that line and realize that this is the first time that it has anything really to do with you as an individual. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to hell. The third day, he rose again from the dead. He ascended to heaven and is seated at the right hand of God, the Father Almighty. From there, he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. So, the forgiveness of sins. This has got a lot to do with you personally. It is a line that should spur thanksgiving in your heart. Um, really, there's a lot to it. And because it, it seems simple, you know, we understand, yeah, we're forgiven of our sins. Yes, but listen, listen to what Al Mohler says. This line is the heartbeat of all our hopes as believers. This is all of our hope, the forgiveness of sins. And because of that, we need to understand two, the two main parts of this particular line, okay? These are the two main parts. The first is sin, forgiveness of sins, and the next is forgiveness. Now, that's not in the order of the line, but it's really in the order of our lives. We first have to understand sin in order to see the need for forgiveness. So I want to take you to the Word. I want to take you to a very important moment in history. Now hear the infallible, inspired Word of God. Genesis 3, verses 1 through 19. Now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, Did God actually say you shall not eat of any tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden, but God said, you shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden, neither should you touch it, lest you die. But the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die. For God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was a delight to the eyes, and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate, and she also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate. Then the eyes of both were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man and said to him, 
where are you? And he said, I heard the sound of you in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. He said, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten of the tree of which I commanded you not to eat? The man said, the woman whom you gave to be with me, she gave me the fruit of the tree and I ate. Then the Lord God said to the woman, what is this that you have done? The woman said, the serpent deceived me and I ate. The Lord God said to the serpent, because you have done this, cursed are you above all livestock and above all beasts of the field. On your belly you shall go, and dust you shall eat all the days of your life. I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. To the woman he said, I will surely multiply your pain in childbearing. In pain you shall bring forth children. Your desire shall be contrary to your husband, but he shall rule over you. And Adam, he said, because you have listened to the voice of your wife and have eaten of the tree of which I commanded you, you shall not eat of it. Cursed is the ground because of you. In pain you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you. And you shall eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your face you shall eat bread till you return to the ground. For out of it you were taken. For you are dust, and to dust you shall return. And verse 24, I think, is a very also important one. He drove out the man, and at the east of the Garden of Eden, he placed the cherubim and a flaming sword that every way, that turned every way to guard the way to the tree of life. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that it is infallible and errant and inspired by the Holy Spirit, that the writers of this word knew exactly what they were doing because they were led by the Holy Spirit. Their hands were guided. The pen was moved because of what the Holy Spirit stirred in their heart. God, we thank you that every word is true. God, we ask that you would remove the veil we may see you more clearly. God, and bless us with that revelation knowledge that we may retain it and use it in our daily lives. Holy Spirit, illuminate this word for us that we may see exactly what you have to say to us. I move out of the way that you may speak through me and through this word. Sanctify us by your truth. Your word is truth. In Jesus' name, amen. So we look here at the narrative account of the first sin. This is also known as original sin. And it tells us much of what we need to know about our own sin. You see, Isaiah 64, verse 6, really puts it clearly what has happened because of what Adam and Eve did. Um, it says in Isaiah 64, 6, it says, We have all become like one who is unclean, and all our righteous deeds are like a polluted garment. We all fade like a leaf, and our iniquities, like the wind, take us away. 
this tells us exactly what has happened to us because of Adam and Eve's sin. This original sin has made us all be born into sin. We are all born original sinners. Um, we see two very clear things in this account of the original sin that I think are very important. Um, I think the first thing we see clearly, I mean, it's, it's without doubt there. I mean, you can, anybody who, who can read can see that we first see the rejection of God's standard by Adam and Eve. Were they deceived by the serpent? Yeah, they were deceived by the serpent, but they had one law. God said, you shall not eat at the tree. And that's what they did. They broke the law. Regardless of how that happened, they broke the law. They rejected God's one law, which is rebellion against him. Sin is without doubt the rebelling against God and his standard. That's what it is. Let's look at, at another example of this in um, Psalm 51, verses 1 through 4. Very powerful psalm. This is, you know, this psalm has a history. Um, psalm 54, 1 through 4 says, Have mercy on me, O God, according to your steadfast love. According to your abundant mercy, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. Against you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight so that you may be justified in your words and blameless in your judgment. So, David wrote this after he had sinned by taking Bathsheba, impregnating her, and taking her husband, Uriah, and sending him to the front line to be killed so that she, he could cover his sin. Now, that was a great sin. So great that Nathan had to come to him and tell him, God is not pleased with this. Now, based on the writing here, David understands that even though his sin had hurt others, he had sinned against God. That's a lesson we all should take. Sin in all of its forms, is first of all against God. It is, like we said before, it is a rejection of his standard. It is rebellion against God. It is an offense to God first. Does it hurt other people? Yeah. Do we need to make those things right a lot of times? Yes. But we don't repent to any person first, even though we've sinned against them. We repent to God first because it's him who has been offended by our sins. Now, our sin is an absolute offense and affront to God and his creatorship. He's creator. He has a right to make the rules. And when we sin, we slap him in the face and spit in his eye and say, I rebel. That's what sin is, period. Now, the second thing we see is much more sinister in this. If we look... At verse 5 of chapter 3 of Genesis, one more time, it says, this is the serpent speaking. For God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened. And you will be like God, 
knowing good and evil. These were the last words uttered by the serpent in his deception of Adam and Eve. You will be like God. Al Mohler says in his book, and I hope you bought it, sin amounts to nothing less than a desire for God to cease being God. Sin is at its core, a desire to unseat God, the God, Yahweh, as God in our lives. Because we want to be God. We want control. We want to do what we want. We want to be little gods. Here's the problem. We aren't God. We aren't gods. We're mere men. You see, our sin is disgusting and awful, and we need to understand it as such. What's worse is that we are unable to get out from under its curse on our own. So we sin. It's evil. It's awful. And we can't stop it, and we can't fix it. Hmm. Sounds like we've got a problem. Seeing all of our offensive sin leads us to one overwhelming need in our life. Forgiveness. We need to be forgiven by the one whom we have offended. In the modern church, it's, it's, it's unpopular. It can be very unpopular to preach sin. It's ugly, and we don't we don't want that. We want to be told how awesome we are, how God just loves us so much, and He couldn't wait to die for us on the cross because He just couldn't stand heaven without us. I mean, we were so awesome; we, He just had to have us. When we think like that, we are diminishing the power of the cross and what it means. We are not awesome. We are not amazingly beautiful and lovely. We are sinners. We are offensive and wretched to our God. And we need a Savior. We don't need somebody to affirm how awesome we are. We need a Savior. That's what we need. So, we can't read the Word of God and not see that we can never meet the standard that God sets. We can confirm this in, in, in 1 John. 1 John verses eight, verse 8 says this, If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. It's not a mistake. It's not a, a snafu, a bad choice. Uh, all those things we say to soften the word sin. Sin is an offense to God. It is us rebelling against him. It is us trying to unseat him as God and make ourselves the God. Sin is disgusting. It is filthy and it is awful. And we need to see it as such. 
we sin. We can't deceive ourselves. We can't deceive anybody else. We are sinners. And we need forgiveness. And that's where the next verse comes in. 1 John 1, 9 says, If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. God forgives. God forgives. We must understand exactly what that means. There's some very interesting words in just that verse. The first, first we, we understand that our confession of sin is, is that's us repenting. If we repent of our sin, we say, God, I have sinned against you and you alone, and I want to turn from that, and I want to go the other direction. I don't want to live this way. I want to place my trust in Christ. That is repentance, and we, and he will forgive us. But how is that even possible? We must look at the cross. That's where we see how forgiveness for our repentance can even exist. The word in, that, that really sticks out first to me in 1 John 1, 9 is this, faithful. God was faithful in his promise to send a redeemer. In the person of Jesus Christ, we see the absolute beautiful faithfulness of God that he would send his only begotten son to save us from our sins. If we would repent and believe the gospel, place our trust in him alone. The second word that really stands out to me is just. God is absolutely just. He must execute judgment on sin. And he did that. He executed his justice on Jesus on the cross for those of us who were born again. Justice was executed. Christ bore all of our sin upon himself. And God poured out the full wrath and punishment for that sin on him on the cross. So, he has executed perfect justice on our behalf if we are in him. If we're in Christ, our judgment has been borne by Christ. The next thing that sticks out to me in that verse is forgive us our sins. God forgives us for our sins because our sins were laid upon Christ. And when we repent, the penalty for those sins is paid by Christ. When we are born again, it's paid. And that leads us to a life of repentance, of knowing that if I confess my sins, God is faithful and just to forgive me and cleanse me, cleanse us from all unrighteousness. We are completely washed clean by the blood of Christ. Isaiah 118 in prophesying about the Redeemer who would come, the suffering servant, Isaiah wrote this, come now, speaking as God, he was speaking for God because he was a prophet. Guess what? He was a prophet, so he could speak for God. Think about that. Come now, let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, 
they shall be as white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they shall become like wool. He cleanses us completely. Why? Because of the spotless lamb. And because of the spotless lamb, we are made spotless before him. And that leads us to this, this thing that we probably say, but I still do unrighteous things. I still mess up. I still sin. I still make the wrong decisions and, and, and fall on my face all the time, daily. In Christ, our actions no longer determine our standing. If we're in Christ, what you do does not determine whether you are accepted by Christ. We are clothed in the righteousness of Jesus Christ. A good byproduct of that is we have the Holy Spirit living in us, sanctifying us, and continuing the work of making us blameless before God. So sin can diminish in us. We, we live a life of repentance and we turn from sin. Do we ever see sinning? No, not until we're glorified. But our actions do change. But the thing is, our actions don't determine our righteousness because our righteousness is determined by Christ himself who has clothed us in his righteousness. That's the beauty of the cross. We are forgiven. And now we are able to repent and know that we are always forgiven. And we are held fast by God himself. I must believe in the forgiveness of sins or everything that I hope for in life in Christ crumbles. You must believe in the forgiveness of sin or all of your hope disappears. So, do you believe in the forgiveness of sins? I hope so. Because if you're in Christ, you have lived it. And if you're not in Christ, guess what? That's a hope that you could possibly look forward to if you will repent and believe the gospel. Looking at our sin, it's a really tough thing to do. And it's ugly, but it's meant to be. But it helps us to truly appreciate the power of the forgiveness that we have attained through Jesus Christ, the Son of God. So I urge you, contemplate this line that you believe in the forgiveness of sins. And I pray that the reason that you believe that is because you've experienced that, that you've repented, trusted in Christ, and you are set free from your sin. If not, run to Christ and flee to Him, for He is your only hope. I want to pray for you. Father God, I come to you thanking you so much for who you are, your holiness, your power, your goodness, your mercy towards us who are sinners. God, and the forgiveness that is available through Jesus Christ. God, in this time of thanksgiving in our country, God, there is nothing more that we can be thankful for than that we are forgiven. That, that ugly, disgusting sin, the offense that we have been, is gone through Jesus Christ, and we are forgiven.
not halfway, but fully. God, and then we can live a life of repentance where we come to you knowing that when we lay it at your feet and ask for forgiveness, that you will forgive us and you will help us to turn from it through the power of the Holy Spirit living in us. God, thank you so much for that. I ask that every Christian listening, God, would have peace in their heart knowing that they are forgiven. And God, for those who are not in Christ and are struggling with sin and they don't know you, God, I ask that you would convict their hearts Make their sin disgusting in their eyes. Let them see the ugliness and terrible, terrible way it is. Let them be disgusted by it, that they may see the beauty of the cross as the hope for redemption. Convict their hearts like no other time. Holy Spirit, draw them. Father, draw them unto yourself that they may be saved. God, I ask a special blessing over all of our people of Reality Church, that they may have a wonderful and safe Thanksgiving. And they may enjoy the comforts of home and family and leave behind the junk in the world. Turn off the news, turn on a football game, and enjoy life together. God bless them. Keep them safe. Bless all those who hear this, God, and let them have a wonderful Thanksgiving as well. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. We will be having service this Sunday at 11 a.m. Going to be a very special service. We are actually going to ordain uh, Brother Garrett Crosby as a biblical elder. He will be a lay pastor. He will take on the role of discipleship pastor something he's very passionate about. He has done some one-on-one -on -one discipleship, and we have seen the fruits of it in our church. And uh, he, he, he cares deeply about the Word of God and helping others to understand the truth of the Word of God and helping them to see falsehoods and fallacies that they need to get rid of in their life. So we ask that you would pray for him as he does that and as he goes into that role. And also come join us for that service. Uh, uh, Pastor Luke Lawson um, from First Cumberland Presbyterian in Columbus is going to actually be coming to help me with the installation of Garrett as uh, as as discipleship pastor. He's going to be bringing a message. He's told me some of the things that he will be speaking on. It's going to be a wonderful thing for you to hear. So come and enjoy that service with us. Um, we will be doing B2B continuing on Wednesday night, seven o'clock, right here on Facebook Live. Um, be ready for awesome things coming up. There may be some changes coming that are going to be great. Um, uh, all biblical, all along biblical lines. We are not doing anything in our church anymore that does not line up with the word of God. So be ready for some awesome, awesome things. And before you go, let me bless you. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to this podcast. Check out all of our social media. The links are in the show notes. Catch us next time 
on another episode of Small Town Pilgrims Podcast.